2: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: We would like to acknowledge that this podcast maiden is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present and immersion and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. And today's episode is just for the dads. It really is. This
3: podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F word, so it's not really suitable for children.
1: Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right. This is a language warning. Oh, shit.
3: Hello, Mandy. Hi, Kate. Mandy and I are super happy to hand over the microphone to our gorgeous Gary. Yay, Gary, and his guest, Trevor. So peas, pea dad's. Anyone who wants to listen, happy Father's Day to you and enjoy this episode with our trusted P Dad Gary. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you, Kate. And hello, peas. Welcome to this testosterone laden, balls to the wall, Dad's Day episode of Two Peas in a Podcast. Yes, P Dad Gary here. And I have to say, my son will be very impressed to hear that right out of the gate, I have said balls. Let's see how often balls get a mention over the next hour, given that this episode is about dadness, or at least the experiences of a couple of dads anyway. I'm chuffed at having been asked by Mandy and Kate to chat with you all today, and I hope you're going to enjoy the conversation you're about to hear. Before we get to that, though, as you know, Kate and Mandy have established a tradition of beginning each episode with a local weather report. So as I'm recording this, i look out the window. It's a warm, sunny day with springtime in the air on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. We are currently out of lockdown here, but I know that so many of you peas are in lockdown still again. So big love to you, whether you're blitzing it, whether you're doing just okay, or whether you are barely dragging yourself through it one day at a time you know, what better way to ease the burden of lockdown for just an hour or so than by listening to a couple of blokes chat. <laughs> so we're going to do our best for you. And um, we'll see how we go. Let me introduce you to a friend of mine. He's a P-dad who I know you're going to love listening to. In many ways, you know, this bloke exemplifies for me, not just dadness in general, but P-dadness in particular. He and his gorgeous family also live here on the Sunshine Coast for now, although he is a bit homesick for the bush. His name is Trevor. He grew up in rural Victoria on a farm which he now owns. He did well at school and then became a shearer and a wool classer on his farm and all around Australia. He's now a full-time dad of five kids, including nine-year-old twin boys with cerebral palsy. G'day, Trevor.
1: G'day, Gary. What an introduction, eh?
3: Well, thanks for joining me. How, how amazing is this? I'll tell you what this feels like. To me, this feels like you and I, just a couple of ordinary-looking blokes. Well, one of us is anyway. Uh, we, <laughs> we 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 have just been handed the keys to a Lamborghini and told to take it out for a spin around the track. Just go for it. Drive like the wind. And I'm starting to channel H.G. Nelson right now. But it does kind of feel like that to me because, you know, Mandy and Kate have crafted this podcast from nothing to the beautiful thing that it is today. And they've gathered together this stunning community of peas who love each other and support each other and give guidance to each other and cry with each other and laugh and everything. Right. And then along comes Father's Day and they say to me, why don't you take the episode? Just take the whole hour. Do whatever you want. Take it for a spin. How generous, how generous is that? So we had better try not to crash it, right? Um, maybe just a scratch or two, and that's about it. So, How so, fast can we go? Well, <laughs> let's see, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's see stop. how fast this hour goes. <laughs> um, but look, speaking of Father's Day, what's Father's Day like at your place? Oh. What do you do? We don't really have a
1: tradition. We just go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, uh, every day is Father's Day in one way. I know it's a bit cliche, but uh, yeah,
3: well, it's I nice to, to hear. Spend,
1: Yeah, I get to spend every morning and every evening with my kids uh, before I kick them off to school. So it's um,
3: yeah. I
1: guess I guess I guess I'm a little different to the what's considered the average dad in Australia, where uh, often they are the working party, although that's changing a lot now but um it's um yeah it, every day is father's day really but well, this, this is just just another day
3: that's lovely to hear i'm I'm so impressed um we'll come to that in a minute um let me ask you are you a gift catalog kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. are you a catalog kind of guy at all perhaps maybe at uh, uh, mitre 10 or something but well yeah that's uh, right Somebody alerted me to, the, to this fact just yesterday that the Dimmick's books uh, gift catalog for Father's Day this year, um, they have a section called the Rad Dad Catalogue, which is, you know, really impressive. But in the Rad Dad, I'm not a catalog kind of guy either, to be honest, but somebody pointed this out to me that in the Rad Dad Catalogue this year, there is one book in particular that I would like to make mention of, The Invisible Life of Us by kate jones and mandy hose isn't that cool these guys have written a book it's only just come out they had to miss the the book signing because of COVID lockdowns and so on but it's doing really well it's getting out there it's in the dimmicks catalog so peas if you're listening and you're still looking for a, for a father's day uh gift i recommend you have a look at this one it's in the non-fiction section. I think it should be in the romance section myself, but it's in the nonfiction section and it's um, Kate and Mandy's book, The Invisible Life of Us. I'm not getting paid to say that. I just thought I'd mention it because I think it's very cool. So right on, Trev, let's do this. Um, The the P's like to start in a certain way, so we'll just fit in, shall we, to get things moving. We'll ease up to full speed acceleration by doing the three questions. So what awards did you win at school, Trev?
1: Oh, There wasn't a lot of awards. I was I was particularly good at school, so I got uh, uh, pretty high achievements at school. They all encouraged me to stay there, but I left early anyway because my heart wasn't in it, so uh,
3: it's just the way it rolls, I guess. Look, that's perfectly fine, mate. No shame here. I mean, awards were not a big deal years ago anyway, were they? Uh, it was not the big thing that it is now. No, you don't have to achieve much to get an award now yeah yeah that's a big topic with the peas so all right well let's move straight into the second question then we'll shift into second gear we've got up to first we're doing doing well Um, what's your favorite music or do you have some music that you'd like to recommend to everyone
1: look i wouldn't say that i've got a single song that i uh that that i go to when i when i need to chill out and get away from it all but um Anything that I grew up with, which was country and, uh, and a bit of uh, 80s rock, is, uh, is where my heart lays. And, and that helps me uh, get through the days that are a bit tougher than others.
3: Yeah. Cool. I mean, it takes you back to when, you know, you were a kid, doesn't it? Sometimes. Yeah. And forever. maybe when life was a bit easier. That's yeah. Probably, that's, that's probably the, the heart of it. Yeah. Life on the farm. Yeah. yeah um, and so into third gear, why are you a P?
1: Well, I think I fit into this group just because uh, nine years ago, uh, my world was shaken at its roots, really. I'd already had two children, and and then I had twin boys born at 26 weeks um, into this world, and it was a very chaotic time. Wow. uh,
3: Well, Well, we want to hear all about that, so let's get to that. Before we do, let me get, get some background there because you've mentioned this a couple of times now. Tell us about shearing and farm and farm life. Like you, you miss it? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I, I
1: guess it. I guess it's it's one of those jobs. And I and I was having a conversation with someone about this not so long ago. It's really interesting that some of the hardest jobs you've ever done are the ones you miss the most. And uh, and shearing is physically challenging. It, keeps you fit at it, uh it's a skill it, it's not just not just any joe blow you can run his hand to it but if you practice for long enough you'll get there and uh and i guess i was reasonably good at it and enjoyed the challenge because i'm a bit competitive and uh you get a uh you know you, you work in teams so there's a, a number of other people in the in the working environment with you as you're, you're shearing sheep and, and as a team, it, uh, you know, you're seeing who can cheer the most and it gets a bit competitive, and and uh, it that's the fun of it, really.
3: And as you say, it must be tough. Like, I wouldn't even begin to imagine, you know, having a go at that. I'm just wondering whether, I mean, it sounds like some of the qualities that brought out the enjoyment of that for you, you know, the challenge, the toughness, the competitiveness, um, all of that sort of thing probably set you up well, in later life for for other challenges i imagine
1: i think you're probably right
3: it's uh it, it's
1: certainly that and um determination you know i guess something that uh when you don't have much to start with determination builds inside you and and the desire to be successful and get what you want um has to come from within because there's no other way of getting it uh and i think that's you know that challenge i was i was actually quite a small kid i was I was not gifted uh, physically, and I had to work really hard to get to where I got to with that. So I guess that's a um, an achievement that I've reveled in a little bit, and and certainly life was a bit free, a bit easier back then, a bit simpler.
3: Um, and uh, yeah. And and what about farm life? I mean, do you do you like the the wide open spaces, the quiet, the solitude? Is that the kind of farm life you like? Yeah, that's me. Are so you not I'm, a city I'm not boy?
1: A, I'm not a city boy. You know, the, the crowds, the beaches, they all sound good in theory. In reality, <laughs> <laughs> in reality, I would much rather be camped out beside a river with not another soul in sight and a fishing rod in my hand or or just listening to the birds or just having the kids. They're showing them a different way of life. That's, uh, that's where my heart lies.
3: And yet here you are. An at-home dad, you know, five kids. Well, they're not all at home now, I take it. But, you know, living pretty close together and getting through the busyness and the routine of, of every day. Do you? Does that chafe at you? And if if so, how do you carve out some space for yourself to sort of keep yourself going?
1: Yeah, it's it's something that I, have in this last. Uh... It was 2013 when we moved to the Sunshine Coast. It's certainly something that I've had to deal with since then because uh, that is the time when my wife returned to work and I became the full-time carer at home. Um, So the boys were about one and a half when that happened. And uh, Mm. it's something that I thought that I'd just jump in and, yeah, grab, it, grab the bull by the horn, so to speak, and, and run with it. And, and I did for a long time. And uh, it's not something that I would have naturally turned my hand to, being an outdoors person and, and eventually became a tradesperson in that uh, history as well. But um, mm. I've had to find space for myself in amongst that because uh, running, running a home uh, is, is quite a busy job. And I know that there's probably lots of mums out there going, oh, "Yes, yes, say it, say it." <laughs> but it, it's uh, it's it's true. It's it's, um, that it's is true. Finding time for the person who is in the background organising everything that happens
3: in the day uh, is difficult. Wow. Yeah. Well, let, let's get into that now. Let's talk about it. Um, probably a good idea to know uh, for us to know about the twins, the boys. Um, you know their story. Their birth. Uh, you said they were premature. Just, just run us through what happened um, in the lead up to that, and and how it was that they came into the world.
1: Yeah, it was was both exciting and chaotic time of, of my life. I had uh, uh, I, I, I had a previous marriage. I had two boys already, um, and my new partner. We uh, we've been. We'd known each other for a couple of years by then and um we're engaged and uh and and we were we're looking at having children and so um i guess this is the thing about um remarrying a a, a lady who uh, doesn't have children of her own it, it, uh, it it's a bit of a desire that um but, but we should share that so that that's what we aimed for and uh three would have been a nice number really it's a, you know cars are all made to have three kids in the back and uh, the, our whole life sort of revolves around that but uh, we got a big surprise when uh, twins turned up in the in the ultrasounds and uh, and so that was the first shock I suppose we um, we also got married in those very early weeks of the pregnancy um, and I clearly remember we had we, we got married one weekend uh it was an outdoor wedding it's beautiful magnificent it's just you know the dreams are made of um and the next friday we had a uh ultrasound appointment we had already known that we had twins by then but the ultrasound guy was 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 just a bit different he was he was very quiet and um an interesting soul but he he never really said much never really gave much away but uh he he disappeared from the room after we'd seen both the, the boys were were alive and and well and um and then he came back and he and he sat us down and and he said oh he said there are a few issues and so mm. looked at each other and uh, right you, yep. you see the seriousness on his on his face and he said look uh, you have something called twin to twin transfusion syndrome and
3: and what is that
1: so so that is just for the benefit of our listeners uh a syndrome where that only applies to identical twins and it's where blood vessels grow across the top of the placenta and the two babies have become a common blood supply previous to that normally uh, identical twins have a a percentage of the placenta each and they have their own blood supply but they grow vessels across the top and they combine and share the same blood supply okay it all sounds sounds great in theory until you find that one twin becomes bigger much faster and grows very quickly and the other twin actually becomes a donor and, and starts oh, essentially is starving i see so we had um, a case where our, our biggest twin was growing at a very fast rate and had this nice big sack of fluid around him. And our second twin, who was essentially shrink-wrapped inside mum, and his growth had almost, almost stopped. And he looked at us and he said, this is not something you can wait till next week. He said, I want you to go home, pack your bags. I made a phone call to Brisbane because I was living in, we were living in Darwin at that stage. And I want you on an airplane tonight and go and see him. He's ready. He's happy to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow really? is a Saturday, of course. Yeah. Oh wow. And it took a moment to sink in. Yeah. Um, and uh, it really, you know, we'd only only been married what five days.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we had a big party
1: and it was great. It's fantastic. Life, yeah. life seemed pretty good. Uh, and and I was very excited about having twins it's something i thought would be awesome and right. uh and don't get me wrong it's awesome but uh but some of the problems encountered on the way can be uh, yeah. challenging so Man. so yeah we 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 hopped on an airplane that night and we got packed up came to brisbane um they they put us up in uh i actually can't remember where we stayed i think yeah actually i guess that's not important but uh, fronted up to the hospital the next day and, and introduced ourselves and, uh, and got thrown a, a, a heap of options, or three options really, three options put on the table. Um, the hospital we had uh, been recommended to was uh, a Catholic hospital though, so there was only one option available to us, even though there was three options in reality. And, um, and so we had to make a decision. Well, we what had
3: were the three options you were given? Three options were um,
1: to terminate one, uh, terminate both,
3: oh.
1: or, um, oh, sorry, there's four options, I guess, uh, 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 wait and see, mm-hmm. or have a laser surgery where they uh, use a laser in utero to sever the vessels that run across the top of the placenta okay and so it wasn't a really tough decision really yeah the other three options weren't really an option so we just went with option a and, and said let's uh let's let's do the op and see what happens okay um so yes so we, we got home we got the rest of the afternoon off we fronted up the next morning and it happened and um and, and then we just had to wait and see and and Encouragingly, um, we, we were basically told when that operation was done that it was a, a success, in, uh, as, as a, it was a medical success, and it was really up to the boys now how, how this happened. But our best and most likely outcome would be one
3: healthy baby. Really? That was the and best so you could hope for? We,
1: that's a, that was well, that was the best outcome we could hope for, wow. lots of lots of errors in between so now this so that office... was a bit of a shake, so that was uh that was two that was basically going, okay, we're awesome, we're going to have twins too, and we're going to be lucky if we have one
3: yeah uh, so this all happens within like the span of forty eight hours you get this the ultrasound the next day you're in Brisbane and you have the surgery yeah. that day or the next day the Sunday. the next day yeah. all right yeah. and so so. <clears throat> you and your wife um are you able to like how, i'm just imagine, imagining this from the point of view of your relationship the two of you you both suddenly cast into this world that you hadn't expected a week earlier uh, how are you both coping uh, together with this in the early stages
1: yeah it's a real test of loyalty and and ability to cope i guess
3: um... Of course there was
1: plenty of tears and, and and fears um yeah we were uh i guess in in the grand scheme of things we we're still fairly young in our relationship as well a couple of years on um and and so yeah it was a it was a, it was a huge test
3: and but, you're still one together that, now the two of you aren't you correct
1: yeah, yeah. one one that uh we once again, took the bull by the horns. We don't believe in doing things easy. You, as, as this interview goes on, you'll hear about this. Yeah. We're, we're well known for doing everything the hard way. So is she the it's same? Just one example. Is she,
3: she has the same approach, does she? I, I believe so, yes. Okay, okay. We've well, both like, got backgrounds of doing it the hard you've way. You've done so well. <laughs> well, mate. You've done so well because obviously the challenge on the relationship is a huge part of the dynamic here, isn't it? Um, yes. For parents when there are children with disabilities. So, all right, well, just, I won't talk too much. You keep going. So you have the surgery. What happens yep. next?
1: Uh, they kept us hanging around for the next uh, couple of days, uh, doing an ultrasound each day to make sure, well, just to see what was going to happen really. it was There was nothing more medically they could do except uh, watch and wait. And I think late that Monday they did, a, did their second ultrasound and said, there's a there's a uh, a good bit of fluid forming around twin number two now um he's alive he's uh still in the game although uh his odds are very slim mm. and so now it's really up to him the the balls in mm. his court it's up to it's up to him to see how he goes so okay sent just yeah we 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 flew back home and uh, life somewhat returned to normal. I mean, somewhat as in the stress was still there, but there was nothing we could do, nothing we could do anywhere. We just had to sit this yeah. thing out and wait and see. As no. anyone with the same experience will know, it's it's just a waiting game then, and, and yeah. the clock's ticking. And, and essentially, we were given the, the hope that the longer they stay in utero, the more success uh, we'll have at the end of the day. Um, so we lived life for the next. Uh, well, we got to we got to twenty five weeks and mm. uh, waters broke in the morning and then we thought, oh dear, this is yeah not yeah. quite as far along as we were hoping. But yeah, um, it, was a, it was a bit of a shock because we've been running along not too badly and there's been little niggles here and there, but um, life had been continuing on and. Uh, so we, we took a little trip into, in, into Darwin General Hospital and, and they had a bit of a, uh, a look and they gave us two options. They said either we can deliver them now uh, or we can send you back to Brisbane. Um, the reason they gave us those options is because they didn't believe that they had the, the facilities or the ability to stave off an infection should it happen in that instance. So our only option was to deliver or send us to somewhere who could. Of course, we jumped on an airplane. Well, actually, it didn't quite happen that way. Uh, my wife got uh, allocated a Medivac flight. Um, wow. She was, given, she was given drugs to help prevent uh uh, an, an imminent a delivery. labor yeah yep. yeah yeah and uh patient travel organized me a flight to brisbane to meet her there that uh I was that was just one of those days that still uh, stay inside imagine. my head because uh there was no guarantee on when that medivac flight was going to happen and they'd locked in a flight for me to go to brisbane via sydney with a stop over in sydney so i had. I can't remember. I think it's about a three and a half, four hour flight straight from Darwin to Brisbane, and and I had to go by Sydney with a stopover, so I had a, something like a seven hour flight. So I raced home and packed my gear and packed some stuff for Deb, and and, uh, and we um, got all happen. I got delivered to the airport, jumped on aeroplane, leaving her in Darwin, and with everything crossed, wondering what was going to happen because there's. I could have just as easily been halfway to Sydney or stuck in Brisbane when she went into spontaneous oh, labour. No,
3: yeah. So what and did it?
1: It's, yeah, and I hadn't missed a berth to date. So <laughs> after a very nervous flight and a very nervous wait in Brisbane, her, her her medivac flight got delayed a couple of times and she eventually got over late in the evening. Uh, and, uh, and we... Um, had a bit of a holiday in uh, in the Mater at, uh, at, at Brisbane, the Mater Mothers Hospital, while we waited the birth. And so, th- so once we we're there, we we um in very good care again. The same same fellow who uh, looked after us earlier, um, and, uh, and and we were able to sit out we sit out as long as we needed to. Now, there's um our little twin. We'd been tracking. We'd had a ultrasound each week. Um, to make sure that they were both still alive, and they were both uh, see yeah, a bit of an estimate on weight and uh, just to see whether they were still growing and, and and a little bit of hope had raised up inside us by that stage because we could see the little battler, little, little twin number two he'd, he'd continued to grow since he 'd had his chance to to have his own food supply again he'd, um, mm. he'd tracked along he 'd tracked along at the same trajectory as his bigger brother. Well, but Adam, like he was approximately behind, yeah. half the weight we were, yeah, we were, yeah yeah it's it's a it was a bit of a guessing game of his weight because uh, babies that have undergone a bit of growth restriction are much more difficult to estimate, but so so we had everything crossed, and we were just praying and and, and, and hoping like crazy that they'd stay there as long as they could in the oven as long as they could because that's where they needed to be um. And then uh, so, so we are there for nearly two weeks. We got, got to 26 plus six days is where we got to. And, and the little fighter, the little, the little bugger who has to do everything <laughs> his own way, and this is still <laughs> evident today,
3: yes. he said, no, nah,
1: mum, I've had enough. I'm out yeah. of here. There's not enough room in here anymore. Mm. Big brother's taken up all the space. And he, he, uh, he, he dropped a leg out through the cervix and said, right, I'm coming. And that's about when it all happened. So once again, we are prepped and prepared, we had emergency magnesium uh, in anticipation that you know, those drugs help um, prevent problems such as CP in uh, in difficult and, and um, challenging birth situations. So uh, we essentially did as much as we could in the time we had and, uh, and and there's nothing we could have done more in that instance and a few hours later they were born to an emergency cesarean
3: and what were their weights well, <laughs> well i hope you're all sitting down because uh, I, I
1: have to pinch myself every time i see a photo of uh of them both but uh alex came out first he was the big one he was pretty healthy he had a bit of a Cry on the way out, so we, we knew he was pretty right. Uh, and he turned out to be uh 830 grams, mm. so he was the big one. I don't know, mm. can imagine 830 grams, but uh, what's yeah. the average about three kilos these days? Mm. So you, mm. you can see that's a, a quarter of that. Yeah, he's, tiny. Um, he's tiny, he's yeah. tiny, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and then out come twin two. He's like a little skun rabbit. He's just nothing more mm. of him than that. And uh, he weighed in at a hefty 470 grams.
3: Oh, mate. Wow. So you
1: can imagine a tub of butter or a can of Coke or something like that. That's about the size. And it, uh, even though we were prepared, we'd been through the neonatal care uh, unit and we'd seen some small bubs, they didn't have anyone the size of Jim. They, we, there was no way of preparing ourselves for that. He was just tiny
3: so you both are they both crying they are both uh, you know no, not exactly signs, no? <laughs> we were uh. we were
1: we were told straight up front that they would wait for the boys to show us that they wanted to be here and say that they they'd they, be a, a minimal amount of stimulation applied right uh, and they would have to say to the world that they were ready to be here wow and, uh, and, and Alex, yep, yeah, he came along pretty well. He he um, got on the warm table and, and was, was, was you know showing good signs early on. Jimmy probably took a little bit longer, but he still said he wanted to be in the game. So they the effort uh, rose and uh, and the attention focused on him, and uh, and away they went. And I guess that was the last we saw of him for a couple of hours. But um, by the time we saw him, they were all tubed up and uh and Jimmy the smallest had uh a machine breathing for him and uh he was yeah, when I say he looked like a skun rabbit, I don't anyone who's ever seen a skun rabbit, it's exactly what he looked like. His eyes were still closed. He um yeah. he was, I have a photo of him holding my finger, his little mm-hmm. hand holding my finger. Yeah. And yeah. it's like ribbons of string wrapped around my finger. Like he he couldn't even grab hold of it. And, his hand just didn't go around it. He was so small. So the odds, once again, very firmly stacked against him. And uh, those early days were pretty tough. We hoped he would survive, but really didn't expect him. How can something that small
3: survive? It's just incredible. And yet here he is. Here, here he is. is.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
2: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: So how long were you in NICU then? How long were they in, in special care? Well, it was a pretty rough ride through NICU.
1: Um And to be honest, we didn't spend any time in special care. We completely skipped that step. But um, Alex um, stayed until about his birthday. So he's in there for about three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both had a 100-day birthday party in there
3: and uh,
1: a father's day and a couple of birthdays for for the other kids. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting time of our lives two older boys we were got a room in ronald McDonald house across the road and we're just walking backwards and forwards each day spend time and read books and just just be with them and let them know that we're here thinking about them talking to them um and uh yeah we had uh all of us four of us jammed into one little tiny room in ronald McDonald house and with shared facilities and but that's what you do you you just make do and and yet, you're happy to have that chance to be close because, you know, we were three and a half thousand. We lived three and a half thousand kilometres away. What else yeah. were we going to do?
3: And and what was um, what were the other two doing? The your other two back in Darwin. How old were Well, they? no, we we um,
1: we flew them over. We got them flown over, and they lived with us for the first month. Oh, okay. Of the of the, of the twins' life, uh, the. The hospital's great. Uh, they have their own school there for kids and they attended school to, right. to the hospital school with, uh, with lots of other kids and their siblings that were sick and around the hospital. And uh, and, and life was somewhat normal. <laughs> they got to come in and see their brothers uh, from time to time. Uh, it was, was was pretty stingy on the on the uh sorry stringent on the, the the code of getting in and out of, of places like that of course um,
3: yeah and how old were they uh, how, how old were they at the time mm,
1: i was just trying to think uh one was turning one was nine the other must have been seven
3: Yeah. i mean what, what an incredible experience for them at that age to be going through with you two i mean and with their new brothers, how, yeah. how, like like we could spend all day talking about these, and, and I there are so many things to talk about here. I don't know which one to pick. But are they okay? Yeah. Like, how, how was that experience? Do you reckon, looking back on it now, nine years later, the fact that they had to, or didn't have to, but that that they experienced that with you up close, in those mm. really uncertain months,
1: it certainly shook their world. Um, but I don't see that there was any other way around it. Just um uh, because uh my wife and I lived in Darwin, we were removed from both parents. We had one set of parents in Sydney, one set of parents in Victoria and um and, and luckily we had uh Deb's sister who had recently moved to Brisbane, so we had some support, although they were an hour's nearly an hour's drive away. We, we had a little bit of, of family help there from time to time. And and after a while, uh, my mum flew up and spent some time with us. Um, camp at uh, my sister-in-law's house, and and would come in almost every day. And she spent a lot of time in special care, in the, sorry, in the NICU, uh, with us. Shared a lot of milestones, and shared a lot of two steps backwards, lots of tears. But um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the boys, they, we, we, I guess we shielded them from the worst of it, but kept them in the loop, and and. and and made sure that they had a connection with them and and that yeah. uh, they were involved in that. And then after a month or so, we could see that this was going to be a somewhat lengthy ordeal. And we had um, Deb's parents uh, fly up to Darwin and, and hang out with them at Dar- in Darwin so they could go back to school and resume some sort of normal life while okay. we... Uh, well, we continued to uh to be with Alex and Jim. Now at that time there I was really lucky I had a somewhat flexible job and I was I was I was able to work uh for one week and have three weeks off. Uh okay. being being on call in those three weeks, but uh but but I didn't have to be face to face. So I was flying back to Darwin for a week and spending a week with the boy, the older boys. Then Flying back to Brisbane has been in three weeks and, uh, and doing that for, for most of the journey.
3: This was um, three months, did you say?
1: That was the first three months, uh, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy's a survivor. He really is. He's, apparently yes. Yeah. His journey, is. Yeah. <laughs> his, his journey is, is, is not in a straight line. He zigzagged all over the place. I mean, as I said, he, uh, he started out ventilated and, uh, and six weeks later he was still ventilated and, and we'd had a couple of failed attempts to the, to the next stage and then just by chance we had a young nurse uh, looking after him one day who had, had essentially made a drug error in, um, in, in a diuretic um, and he had been given a, a 10 times the dose essentially. We got the decimal point in one spot. Uh, it it was a human error it it was something that we couldn't get too upset with her about because it was such an easy thing to have gotten wrong um but it actually led to him succeeding off of ventilation and onto some form of breathing by himself and so we've, we've got to celebrate that a little bit in that this this poor girl who who actually sat us down and told us what she'd done wrong because she was and and was so upset about it she was in tears and felt so bad about it um she actually helped him get to the next step and did, did something that uh none of the people who were involved in his care could have foreseen and uh and was certainly not uh not protocol at the time I mean, there were steroids involved and all that sort of stuff to try and help his lungs uh mature enough to to become um breathing on his own and it just so happened that our normal neonatologist was uh was on a week's holiday and we had a a a visiting neonatologist in and she took the bull by the horns there's a lot of taking bull by the horns here isn't there (laughs) speaking of testosterone she grabbed it it's a theme (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes she grabbed it and said right let's give this a go you know this is this is something we haven't done before and uh but she was a uh had trained in the uk and there was, a, there was another system that they'd used over there she said i think we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna try this we'll give it a go we've got absolutely nothing to lose you know he's he's got to graduate here soon or what are we gonna do we've run out of options so i said right let's uh let's drive this thing and let's let's take it here and see what happens and, and he just made it i mean he was borderline for, three, for the next three days. It was three days before he declared himself that he was going to graduate mm. to the next level mm. and it was just touch and go the whole time. And, and just a bit of an idea of when, when we say touch and go, the touch, touch and go is where you walk into the room and find 10 people standing around your little crib with your boy out on the table doing what they can to keep him alive. And uh, those scenes Man. were fairly regular at that yeah. stage yeah and really hard to deal with
3: just i i don't i can't imagine honestly um can i can I ask you we'll, we'll just skip ahead a little bit what yeah. how did it come about then after all of this intense beginning that you became the stay at home dad the the primary carer um what, what's your wife's profession
1: yeah so my wife's background is um is in the medical and, and she is a gp um,
3: okay she was just but i'd be interested in, in that, that. And, okay i'd love to hear the conversation how did it come about that uh, you, you 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 know both agreed to this this role that you both have
1: i i guess it came down to finances essentially um her her career she she'd spent her whole life doing this um and, and had dedicated her life to, to medicine and uh and and i wasn't about to stand in the way of that my my life had been uh it, well the time that i'd spent in darwin after i'd uh, left the farm um had been as a tradesperson and 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 it, it was never going to progress the way her career could progress so it was just a natural uh it's just just a natural progression or, or it, it, there was there wasn't even a thinking about it it was just that's the way it really needed to go one for us to survive and and two, for her to be allowed to continue to develop.
3: Oh, her, her well, that's bedroom. interesting. I, I hear what you're saying about the finances, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? You were obviously yeah, willing to do that and <laughs> make all the yeah. adaptations and changes, and it, and it would have been tough for her too to, you know, have to focus on work uh, when yeah. she had so much going on at home. Uh, Absolutely, and and she's
1: an absolute trooper because because I, I I sent her back to work. And the boys were still being breastfed, so she mm. she'd spend every spare minute that she had uh, pumping in her room uh, yeah. in between patients, uh, oh. so that we had breast God. milk for them because because we knew that that was the best way forward for them, and and uh, and, sure. and so we just made it work. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. lots of juggling, it was absolute commitment, and uh, and 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 then in the surprise of all that so if you want to fast forward the clock well just before we fast forward the clock a little bit we um we learnt that alex alex was our big healthy baby who seemed to be okay but but he had a bit of a rough start too and uh uh at the three week old mark he had failed a couple of times in taking full feeds um and, and so they'd, they'd rest him and, and then we'd start again just using a, a drip to make sure that they were sustained in life. Um, but about the three-week mark, his little belly blew up and he turned purple and mm. everyone got really worried about him. So we've got Jimmy over there on a ventilator still at this stage, mm. uh, not knowing where that was going to finish. Uh, and, and, uh, and our seemingly healthy uh, normal baby was just became very unwell uh, to the, to to the point of where uh, and and we did agree to this for for reason for, for non selfish reasons that they actually bought a small group of of medical students past his crib to see him mm. to show them how unwell how quickly someone can turn uh, a, a a, yeah relatively healthy or seemingly healthy baby can turn unwell yeah and they'd done x-rays they'd done all sorts of stuff and and no one really knew what was going on it really didn't and then mm. yeah the, he, he sort of declared himself he he got like the decline very quickly and and uh and surgery was and the only option to find out what the devil was going on inside his belly it blew up like a balloon and and, and no one we couldn't tell on x-ray we didn't know what was going on he so we sent sent him off to surgery at three weeks old. He wasn't even a kilo big at that stage. Um, not knowing what was going to happen, they brought him back. It was, it was a pretty long surgery and they brought him back a few hours later, um, all in one piece, thank goodness. And, and what had happened is that he'd had a, a bowel obstruction. He'd had a bit of bowel twist on itself uh, and then it perforated. And at that age, that that size a perforated bowel is is a a major health concern he's very lucky that he survived that yeah and uh lucky we're in brisbane because the the doctor that uh operated on him managed to stitch his little bowel back together he took out the dead bit he took out the bit that was uh broken and 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 put him back together and he delivered back with a scar across his tummy and and uh and from that day forward, he um, well, it hasn't been all perfect of course, but but it but he but he grew from that day forward. He started strength growing, and, strength, and yeah. he he started eating, and uh, it, it, it caused it's it, it it's a continual cause of problems for us, but um, but it saved his life. Um, and then, unfortunately, yep. a week later, we. Um, is a week later, though, unfortunately, is is one of the darkest days of of my time ever. Yeah, and, and that is when we had. So, so as as a routine, these little premies have uh, an ultrasound of their head, uh, which is which is a brain scan, and an ultrasound, just to check to make sure that uh, there's no damaged areas in in the birthing process. They have it at a week and they have it at four weeks. So it's it's totally routine. They have that and they have their eyes checked every week, which is a bit of a horrendous program too. But uh, they come through with no problems with their eyes. Uh, But Alex's scan at four weeks showed up some abnormalities that we were hoping just weren't real. Now, um, when we got the results of that, I was actually by Alex's side by myself, uh deb was back in a room uh having a rest because you imagine it's a pretty stressful time we'd only just got him back really he'd been back a week when he had this ultrasound done yeah um and and we, we thought that we were home and hosed and everything was dandy again but um we got some information that he's Scan had come back abnormal, and and that they wanted to talk to us. So I, I talked to the neonatologist, and uh, and and they took me into the room, and they said, "Look, we've we've found some some uh, abnormalities," and uh, showed me the scans. Now, I'm not of medical background, so I really didn't know what I was looking at. But the question that rocked my world that I asked was, "So." in a scale of 10, how bad is this? And, and she said, it's really difficult to tell you, but just from a subjective look at these ultrasounds, I would have said an 8, with 10 being the most severe. And I went, oh. Okay, so, and, and so well, she, she went on further to say, I don't know what life is going to bring for him. But I would suspect that he has a fair chance of being unresponsive and not ever growing up, never never maturing, and not being uh, being nothing much more than a vegetable, which was pretty hard words to hear after yeah a horrendous yeah. months of um and Deb's
3: not there while you're hearing this. You're hearing this on your own.
1: Correct. Yeah. Mm.
3: So yeah, I had to. Re- so you then had to it. tell her. You so did you tell her or did they tell her?
1: no i i I told her yeah
3: man and the
1: and the the ensuing the following days were were just dark i yeah sort of reflect on them a little bit and and uh it's not a space i ever want to go to again it's it's um it, it was it was really difficult but luckily i've got a uh a glass half full sort of attitude and yeah, you must. I I went back to him and said, Look, okay, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm not prepared to give up yet. No one ultrasoned my brain when I was that age. No one can tell me I don't suffer from the same thing and I'm 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 doing okay. So mm-hmm. it's just renewed vigour and give it a shot
3: and uh, mate, listen, listen. I, I would love to hear more about the next nine years. We haven't even got there yet. We're still in the no. <laughs> in the start. Yeah. But listen, I, I do have a time limit. So what I wanted to ask you, um, because this is about Father's Day, you know, let's talk about you for a second as a dad. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, you've already revealed an awful lot about yourself by the way you talk and and the things that you've been through and the choices you've made. And you know, good on you, mate. There's not many people who are either able or willing to do what you've done. So so that's the first thing. I just, I really admire, you know, your, you say it's a glass half full attitude. I'm not sure what it is, but it's kept you going. Um, yeah. Can I, I wanted to ask you two questions in particular. Um, firstly, do you reckon, um, do you think that there are things about this experience that are different for dads than they are for mums? just from I'm not asking you to be an expert I'm just asking you what do you think about that
1: yeah um i guess traditionally dads have been a little bit removed from from the whole early childhood scenario it's you know mum carries the baby she has a very close relationship with it uh and 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 as my boys have grown uh, they've Chosen, and they naturally do chose their mum. She's 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 a bit uh, a bit more gentler, and a mum is
3: mum. Uh, you can't replace mum's mum exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we've found our place together, you know, and and even Jimmy, who's always been a, a mum's right hand boy, uh, now really enjoys hanging out with me. So <laughs> it's good. Um, from the differences, I. I, I don't know, I guess um, traditionally men have had a hard time talking about this stuff
3: and they mm, keep mm. it
1: inside and, and I can't say that I've been too much different to that. I'm just lucky that I'm res- resilient enough to, uh, and, and maybe that's a little bit to do with my background, I, I am very comfortable in my own head, very comfortable in my own space and quite enjoy being in that space. So lots of thinking time lots
3: of reflection
1: uh, lots of tinkering in the shed <laughs>
3: yeah um that uh well don't dismiss that lightly i think that may no. well be a very important thing you know yeah if that's your thing yeah. we've all got to find it haven't we and it, it we, it's, we do yeah, yeah.
1: I, I have a bit of a passion that hasn't uh I've, I'm, I, like I i like my full wheel drive i like getting out in the countryside it's my vehicle of choice and and I tinker and play with it, and I'm a bit of a project, man. So once once I get on a project, no one else sees me on mm. that. Actually, it's one thing I've just struggled a little bit is trying to make sure I get everything else done before I do my project. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, Cause once you not in there, that's it. out. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, uh, but it's obviously exhausting. essential
3: to your own health and well-being, isn't it, to be able oh, to, to be someone else you know, at that yeah. time. You're the guy yeah. tinkering on the four wheel drive with his mates. You're not dad. You're not carer. You're somebody else in those times, aren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's it's been being a, a P dad makes it very difficult to connect to other dads. Yeah, it's so well, much different. We we are just hmm. our experience has led us down a totally different path, and it's it's very difficult to connect with other fellows. Yeah, yeah, it is. Other other men. On the same level, because yeah. you can't take that experience away. Once you've had it, it's it's there, and it, it's it's a little bit hard. I, I am happy that those other people have got this more simple lives, and mine's more complicated. It's harder for them to understand, um, but it, it's also difficult for me to to dismiss the little whinges that they might have about their lives, that you go, know, geez, mate, you know what? That is so minuscule and so minor. Yeah. It's a bit like man flu. Get over it, build a yeah. bridge, move yeah. forward. Life's not that bad, mate. You, you're doing all right.
3: It's interesting. Yeah. The peas have a term for that. They Somebody who talks shit about things they don't know anything about are rectums. So <laughs> that's, that's, that is, uh, you know, you could say asshole, but they are rectums. And um, you know, so blokes encounter those as well as the mums, um, and it's not—it's sure. not entirely a criticism. I mean, I'd be the same, I guess, if I was talking to somebody about an experience I didn't have personally. Who knows what absolutely sort of rubbish I would say without meaning to or knowing it? But but it's there, isn't it? Do you know any? It is other, there. Do you know any other dads uh, who are the primary carers, stay-at-home dads like yourself? I
1: do. I know of one other who also has a medical wife. Yes, um, <laughs> who, who just doesn't live so far away? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
3: You mean me, he's, right? Yeah, okay. Ps just no, talking about me. No, no. no, no. Me. There's, no? There's, 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 there's another there's one three yeah, us. There's
1: another one. There's three of us. Oh, there's three I didn't of even three know this. You'll have to introduce yeah. me to this bloke. I will. Um, and, uh their, their journey's been a little bit different, but but essentially the same. He he is the uh, he's the homebody. He keeps okay. the wheels running at home and. um and yeah, it's important, and isn't it, to be able career. to at
3: least sometimes talk to somebody who you don't have to explain everything to when you're talking. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Let me yeah. ask you a final question, mate. Um, do you reckon um, this whole experience you've had with disability, which is ongoing, you know, it's not something that comes to an end, but up to this point, do you reckon it's changed you as a person or, or as a parent?
1: I guess it hasn't changed the underlying core of who i am mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. there is a there is i can remember a time where i uh, once i'd started seeing disability i wondered what would happen if it happened to me well, how would i yeah, go because i yeah. i'd met i'd met another family who lived close to where i lived on a farm who had a child with a disability and i was uh, and, and i always wondered to myself quietly I never gave a lot of air but i did wonder how i'll would handle that what would i do different or what would i do the same or yeah, or yeah what would that mean for life for me and and in reality it just means that you do what you got to do you you and you don't look back you don't you can't look back and go, oh, i should have done that it's too late it's done um and you got to keep moving forward and doing the best you can surviving the best way you can and so i think i keep that in mind um and 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 keep getting taking one foot in front of the other and and moving forward, no matter how bleak a th- outcome might be on the horizon you you've just got to take it by the horns again and run with it and there's make that, the best of
3: what you 've got there's that bull again I, yeah. I, I remember you saying once that uh, when you were contemplating the things you you 're not sure that you would how you would cope with them you know you've actually discovered that you are Far better at them than you would have even imagined, <laughs> <laughs> aren't you? You've, yeah. you've, 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 you've kind of, yep. like you've yeah, uh, risen to the, I've, to the occasion.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think the state of our family has, has proven that I've risen enough to, to, to cover all bases and, and, and actually I look back on it now and go, uh, I am so glad that I had the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. I am uh, so proud of what my two boys have achieved mm-hmm. just to just to let the listeners know that both my boys go to a, a mainstream school. Wow. One of them is only very mildly affected with CP. The other one is uh, severely affected. L- L- Rides in a wheelchair and surprisingly, that's the big one. That's Alex. That's And uh, mm-hmm. he goes to a mainstream school. We do a bit of schooling at home. We do schooling at school. But we've risen to that challenge. We're making it work. And all I've got to say to anyone listening is don't give up. Yeah. You fight this with all your passion and mm-hmm. give it whatever you've got because the rewards are there. The rewards are there if you want to go looking for them. So,
3: and that applies and to dads as well as mums, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, it equally yeah. applies. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: What we've achieved is nothing short of amazing, I think.
3: Trevor, it's been an absolute delight to uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you again for joining us uh, we do no have to kind of um, uh, wrap it up there for time maybe we can pick this up again some other time even if it's not till next father's day <laughs> or something <laughs> that's if <laughs> that's if uh, mandy and kate you know want us back but uh it's yep. been fantastic Thanks, Mandy and kate Good yeah audience. thank you ladies and thank you to the peas for listening and we will uh wish you all the very best for the rest of today survive lockdown and uh look after each other We'll keep each other safe. Bye for now.